Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. It's good seeing you today. <clears throat> Last week, I uh, had a sinus infection, an ear infection, and on Saturday, my voice was completely gone. And uh, so I appreciate Bart. Uh, filling in last week, and uh, just pray as my voice continues to come back. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, I had a great opportunity to go see my mom. I try to go up there at least once a month. She's at a assisted living facility now, and uh, she seems to be doing well. <clears throat> I've decided, uh, a while back I decided that my goal in life was to go and visit her, but to make her laugh. And because uh, if I don't, then she's going to talk about all her pains and aches. And uh, she, <laughs> she's going to talk about things that she, you know, she doesn't like. And so uh, if I make her laugh, then she just laughs and we have fun together. So I took her out, uh, got up there, my brother and I took her out to lunch. And uh, then <clears throat> I asked her if she wanted to go shopping, and she does, did. And so we went to uh, a pharmacy, so she just walked the aisles and see things that she might want. And she was standing in the perfume section. And she's looking at all the perfumes. And I walked up behind her. I said, are you uh, thinking about husband number four here? And uh, she snapped right back. She looked at me. She said, well, I don't need this stuff. And uh, <laughs> I said, that's a confident woman right there. I appreciate that. So we were checking out. And there was a crowd, there was a large group standing in line and, and the clerks behind the counter. And I thought, all right, here's my moment. I just turned and looked at her. I said, now, Mom, did you still want that pregnancy test kit? <laughs> and she just busted out laughing and everybody stared and then they busted out laughing. And I'm sitting there going very proud of myself. You know, I said, mission accomplished. So that gives her something to talk about now. And uh, so we had, we had a successful trip to see my mom. And uh, I'll let you know what I come up with next time. So we'll see how that goes. Hey, I did want to mention, um, I have planned another trip to Israel. The brochures are out there. It's not until 2025. Um, so uh, I would love for you to think about going because it, it makes a difference. It does make a difference uh, in your life in terms of your view of Scripture and just to be able to stand where, and read something in the Bible and you're standing right where it happened. And it's just always powerful uh, to experience that. Well, today, as we're kind of closing out this series on prayer, we're going to look at the most amazing prayer in Scripture. And it's a prayer by Jesus. Now, Jesus prayed a lot, obviously, and uh, <clears throat> this is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus. Now, he had longer prayers. We just don't know what they all were. Like he prayed for 40 days and night, and uh, he uh, would pray all night long, and, and none of those prayers were recorded. We got glimpses into them. But this is a recorded prayer that, uh, and the reason we know what the prayer is, because he prayed it in front of his disciples. And, um, and so that this was, this was something that very important because he was coming to the end of his earthly ministry. So this prayer is like an, a transition 
from the end of his earthly mission and then getting to the point of the beginning of his intercessory ministry, which he is actually still doing. Uh, that's his ministry to us is, you know, he came to die for us and to show us who the father was. Um, and now his ministry for us is to pray for us. And he's been doing that your whole life. And he's still doing it. He prays for you nonstop. And now, if Jesus is praying for me, I want to know what he's praying. Right? Wouldn't you want to know? And, and so this prayer, this is an intimate look into the relationship between the Father and the Son. And it shows us a great deal about how Jesus feels. And it shows us a great deal about what's truth. And there's some deep truth in, these, in this prayer of his that, well, Charles Purgeon put it this way. He said, true prayer is measured by weight, not length. So this amazing prayer of Jesus, you could read it out loud in six minutes. But it's not the length. It's the weight of it. There are such weighted matters in this prayer. Life changing for us. And so I want us to look at that prayer in this way. And um, I want to tell you, I, I, I read a, a, an article this past week and it broke my heart. It was just for Baptist churches now, just Baptist churches. It said that 45 plus percent, 45 percent, a little more, last year did not introduce Jesus to one single person. Zero baptisms. And, and then it went on to share the vast majority of Baptist churches baptized less than five people. And that, that broke my heart because it, it told me, it says to me, they're all about living for themselves instead of for their community and reaching out to share who Jesus is. And that's, that's why I'm so thankful for you because you, you, you're so active in building relationships with people, inviting your friends and people in our community. I'm thankful for that. And because uh, you love your friends and you want them to know the truth about who Jesus is. And so I'm thankful for that because I want to tell you, there's a price to pay if you're going to, if you're going to follow the road that Jesus has laid out for us, there's a greater price that will be paid if we don't. So Jesus, you could break this prayer up into three sections. He, he prays for himself, then he prays for his earthly disciples, and then, this is one section I really get excited about, he prays for us. He prays for all believers who will follow after the church is established. So there's a prayer in here for you. 
And if Jesus is praying for you, you need to know what he's praying because I promise you, God is going to seek to answer those prayers. God's going to answer the prayers of Jesus. So you ought to know what they are, especially when they apply to you, so that you're doing something about that. So let's get into it. And, and as we study this prayer, let God restore your awe, A-W-E, your awe of Jesus. That's why I try to always reserve the word awesome for Jesus and for God. I try to use that word just for them. So as we study his word, ask, ask the Lord to restore your awe of who Jesus is. All right, chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 1. After saying all these things, so he's still with his disciples. Jesus looked up into heaven, which it was the most common posture for a Hebrew to pray, was to look up to heaven and usually raise their hands. This is, a, this is how most would pray. And that was one of the ways that Jesus would pray. After saying all these things, he looked up to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Now, he wasn't talking about a 60-minute hour. He was talking about an hour, a period of time. And, and he, this hour that he's talking about, it's what it's all about. The hour he's talking about is his betrayal, his arrest, his trials, his scourging, his death on the cross, his burial, and then his glorious resurrection. That's the hour he's talking about. He said, Father, the hour has come. What it's all about. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. Now that's an attitude of Jesus that you and I should have. We should have this attitude, Lord, Bless me so that I can return the glory to you. Do things through my life so I can turn around and give you all the glory and the credit. Let everything that, I ha that does happens in my life, let, it, let me live in such a way that you can bring glory to me so that I can turn around and give it right back to you. Now that's an attitude that Jesus had. And that should be our attitude. Lord, let me live in such a way that I have glory to give to you. Now, oh, that's, that's powerful to me. It makes me have an awe of the glory of Jesus. Verse 2, for you have given him. Now, let me just stop right there. It's interesting how he's talking in the third person. And... Um, and I, I was wondering about that. So like, what, why is he talking in the third person? And I think, after talking to a friend of mine, I've got a special friend, <clears throat> I won't tell you, his initials are Ralph Inlow, and, um, <laughs> and he and I, I called him. I said, hey, 
I'm, I'm, I'm preaching on this Sunday. And why is Jesus talking in the third person? Because no commentary I can find is dealing with that. And he, you know, he told me, he said, man, I stayed up, stayed up all night thinking about that. And the next day he sent me a long email and said, here's what I think. And it was great. And, and so I'm just going to read some of the things he shared with me. He said, Jesus is praying from the vantage point, not of his co um, equality as a member of the uh, divine trinity but as the only begotten son and so you know jesus temporarily set aside some of his godhead now he didn't quit being god he just temporarily set aside some of the attributes probably the better way of looking at it the attributes of a god of the god and so Jesus is teaching us something in this prayer. And prayer, I love this. I, I told Ralph, I said, this is gold. Prayer is submitting to God's rightful rule and placing ourselves in total dependence on him to act on our request in accordance to his good gracious, saving, eternal purpose. I mean, listen to this. When you pray, pray in such a way that you are submitting yourself to God's rightful rule over your life as Lord and that through his goodness and his graciousness, his love for you, that he will answer your prayer in a way that it fulfills his will and brings glory to him. And that's submission on our part. I want to tell you, if your prayers are nothing but your want list, you are missing, you are missing out on a most glorious relationship with God. You're missing out. Maybe you need to start getting down on your knees or looking up to the heavens and you say, God, I humbly submit myself to you in this prayer time. Let your Holy Spirit guide me in prayers that are worthy of you. In prayers that are worthy of you. Pray that way. And it will totally change the way you pray. Verse 3. Oh, wait a minute. I get finished verse 2. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given to him. So Jesus already has authority over everyone and actually everything. In the book of Revelations, there are two thrones that are mentioned. One is called the Great White Throne, and Jesus is sitting on that throne. So who comes before Jesus on that throne is Satan, all the fallen angels, and every human being who did not accept Jesus as Lord. And Jesus will give judgment, 
pass judgment on those three groups. Jesus has all authority over Satan. That's why I don't live in fear of Satan. Because Jesus lives in me, and Satan is under his authority. All demons, fallen angels, are under the authority of Jesus. He will judge them. Even those who say they don't even believe there's a God is under the authority of Jesus. Because Jesus will determine their eternal destiny. And all people who have rejected Jesus, rejected God, denounced him, whatever, or pretended like he didn't exist, they will stand before the white throne judgment where Jesus is seated, sitting and he has authority over every one of them. Now that's something to be afraid of. That's a scary moment. Because in that moment, there's no more raising of hands. Anybody want to change their mind? Anybody want to accept Jesus? None of that. It's already done. That's it. Judgment is passed. Now there's another throne to talk about, and that's the judgment seat of Christ, the Burma. And Jesus sits on that as well. Everybody, every human being who accepted Jesus <coughs> will stand before that throne. Every human being, every one of us will stand before that throne. And then what Jesus does, he rewards you on the basis of what you did for God's kingdom so that you can take those rewards, that glory that he gives you, and give it back to his Father. So when he says, you have given him authority over everyone, that's every human being ever born. Everyone. And those two throne seats covers the whole, all of humanity. Jesus has authority. And that Jesus chooses to live in you. That's all. I'm in awe of that. Verse 3. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ the one you sent to earth. Jesus even referred to himself as Jesus Christ, the Savior. <clears throat> he never shied away from talking about who he was. This is why I lose sleep over, I get on my knees and pray for, specific individuals for their salvation. I pray for them over and over and over again. I want them to know Jesus so bad I'll lose sleep over it. Because I want them 
to be able to stand with me before the judgment seat of Christ as a fellow believer and not before the great white throne judgment. That's how serious I take these words. It doesn't get any more serious than this. Verse 4. I brought glory to you here on earth, and here it is, by completing the work you gave me to do. We're told to be Christ-like. There it is. You want to be Christ-like? Then you make it your mission to complete the work God gave you. By completing the work, the purpose for your life, that it's your priority. It's what you think about. It's what you live for. God sent you here, put you here for a purpose. And you should get before him and say, you know, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Because he will tell you. He's already hinted at it by the spiritual gifts he's given you. Your spiritual gifts are the biggest clue you have about what your purpose is and how he, is how he wants to use you. Ultimately, his purpose is for you to glorify Jesus with your life, for you to be a part of his kingdom building. And he wants to do it uniquely through you, through the way he has gifted you. So I want to challenge you. Are you seeking to complete the work that God has given you? Have you even asked him what it is? Or are you so busy and so focused on your agenda that you've not taken the time to ask him about his? Because when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, it's all going to be based, did you do the will of the Father? Did you complete your mission that was designed just for you? Hmm. Every believer should long to be able to say this to holy God, I mean, just think about this. You close your eyes in this world and you open your eyes up into the kingdom of God and you're standing before holy God to be able to say to him, I have completed the work you gave me to do. What a glorious thing to be able to say to him. Verse 5. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. So he's getting ready to go back to heaven. But think about this. Before the world began, before any of creation, before humanity, Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit were in glory. They were in a glorious state. That glory has continued on and will always continue on. And Jesus 
took a 33-year break from being personally in that glory by coming to earth for your sakes, to die for you. So he was willing to leave that glory for that 33-year period so that you could be a part of that glory. He says, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began and is going to be there long after the world ends. I have, revealed you, I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. Now he's talking about his disciples. So he's ended the prayers for himself. And so now he's talking about his disciples. He says, they were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Verse 7. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. So they know that. I'm going to go quickly through his prayer for the disciples because I want to get to his prayers for you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believed you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. For all who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. You, you get that? Disciples bring glory to Jesus, who then gives that glory to God. You're a disciple. You bring glory to give to Jesus, who then gives it to God. During my time here, verse 12, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me, just like he's still doing today with you. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction. That's talking about Judas. So if you ever wondered if Judas is in heaven, this answers your question. He rejected Jesus. And because of that, he, you know, he, he, he's, he's not in, con, uh, in damnation because he betrayed Jesus. It, it's, it's because he re rejected Jesus. He said, as the scripture foretold, now, now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be, would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. Hey, it's a badge of honor when you're rejected by the world. Do you know that? It's a badge of honor. You ought to be concerned when the world's real excited about the way you live. Verse 15. For I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. You do not belong to this world. So my question is then, why do you, why do you live as if you do? I'm amazed at how many Christians live as if they belong to this world. Here it is, verse 17. Make them holy by your truth. This verse can bleed over to us as well. 
Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Now, verse 20. Now, it's getting into us. This is this really, you're, you're seeing the heart of Jesus. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe me through their message. That's us. So we're in this prayer. This prayer is for you. So you ought to know what Jesus is praying, because I promise you, God's going to answer it. God's going to seek to answer this prayer. This prayer for you. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me. Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. There's the key. Jesus begins praying for his church in terms of unity. When the church is unified, genuine love for each other, the world takes notice. And it makes a difference. That's why when I read that article about the 45% churches that led no one to Jesus, I thought about this verse. I say, God, I wonder, they're, they're just so focused on themselves. Maybe there is no unity in that church. Maybe they fight all the time. Maybe every time somebody visits, they walk in and they hear people gossiping about each other. And uh, they want to make sure your kids don't get the walls dirty because they just painted them. And uh, they, they were concerned about, more excited about their facilities than they are about people. And, or, or maybe they're just so divided about what they should do with the budget. And, or, I mean, whatever. They're so focused on the wrong thing. That there's no unity whatsoever because everybody's trying to live their own agenda and want their own thing to happen. And this is what I want. And it's all about that. And, and he said, you know, when there is not unity, why the world's not attracted to that. But when a person walks in here and they see genuine love and they see unity among the people, people are drawn to that. They say, I need that kind of community. I'm lonely. I'm desperate for a relationship, a fellowship. So Jesus is praying for us. So this, it's not just any kind of unity. He said, Father, let them have the kind of unity that you and I have. So Jesus wants you and I to be unified, love each other, care about each other, just like the Father and the Son have. Wow. Verse 22. I have given them the glory, oh my goodness, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. Jesus, past tense, has given us the glory that the Father gave him. 
We have it. It's already here. It's in us. His glory, Jesus' glory is in us. And it's the glory that the Father gave him. It's the glory they had before the world was created. It's the glory that when you die in this world and you wake up in heaven and you see the glory of God, it's that same glory. That's, that's all. That is truly awesome. You have that already. Because Jesus prayed it and God answered his prayers. How, how does that affect you? What does that do to you? What does that wake up in you? God, your glory is in me. Let your glory flow through me and touch other people's lives. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. Jesus is saying, I've given you the stuff, the glory that will make you one as a body of believers the same way as Jesus and the Father are one. That, I don't know about you, that just rocks my world. That we have that capacity. Verse 23, I am in them and you are in me. So Jesus is inside of you. And the Father is in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is inside of you. So you have all of the Trinity in you. That's why you have his glory. Because his glory is in you because of his presence. May they experience such perfect unity that the world, that this community will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Live in such a way as a person who is, I want to tell you, people who are well-loved are secure people. People who are well-loved are confident people. People who are well-loved do not live in fear. And you are well-loved. And when you go out and live a life of a person who is well-loved and full of God's glory, people are going to be drawn to that. They're going to come to you and they're going to say, you have something I don't have. It's written all over your face. I hear it in your words. I see it in the way you live. You have something that I cannot explain. Of course they can't explain it. They can't understand it until you tell them about Jesus. Verse 24, Father, I want these whom you have given to me to be with me where I am, and we will. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even 
before the world began. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm looking forward to you being with me in heaven. I'm excited to show you the glory that existed before the world began. And you're going to share in it. You are going to be part of it. And however long or short of a time you live on this planet, it's minuscule compared to eternity in heaven. Verse 25, O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. The love that God has for Jesus has been placed in you. Now I'm going to really hit home. Whenever you say, I can't love that person, you're calling Jesus a liar. Because Jesus has put inside of you a love for people. It goes way beyond human emotions. Now it's okay to pray. God, that person's a challenge for me. But you love them unconditionally. And I know your love is in me. So I pray that your love will flow through me into that person's life. Now that's a prayer God gets excited about. Well, this prayer is a great prayer because of the person who prayed it. This prayer is an answered prayer because of who this person prayed it to. And these things, we will come to pass. So I'm going to ask you again. Are you willing to submit yourself to God's rightful rule and place yourself in total dependence on Him. And when you pray, you're not praying trying to extract something from God, but by placing yourself in a posture of weakness and acknowledgement of your utter dependence on Him. Let's pray. Father, your words, Jesus' prayers, oh my goodness. I, I'm just speechless about his prayer. As pastor of this church, Lord, I pray a bold prayer for these people. I pray that you place in them a deep yearning to fulfill your purpose for their life. A deep drive to complete the mission 
that you have given them. I pray that you will show them a glimpse of the glory that's in them already. And they will bask in that glory. And they'll be awestruck of that glory. And they will live with confidence because of that glory. Because that glory is you. And that they will live with such encouragement that they're willing to do the hard stuff, to love the unloving, to spend time praying for unsaved friends and family members, to allow the things that break your heart to break their hearts. Let us live with such incredible confidence that you indeed are holy God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.